1: Welcome to the return of Real GM Radio. I'm Daniel LaRue, your host. So happy to have you with us for this episode. I wanted to do a two-part playoff preview, and this is part one with Seth Partno of the Nylon Calculus, Fancy Stats, Washington Post, Harvard Proxies and Basketball Network, B-Ball Breakdown, and he also hosts his own podcast, The Make or Miss Podcast. Love talking to him, love having him on. His insight was great. And one of the things that I wanted to do with this is that it is time-stamped. So It should be in the iTunes description. It will definitely be on Real GM's website. So I hope you listen to everything. I think it's worth it to listen to everything. But if you want specific pieces, especially if you want them first, because this is coming out on Friday and the playoffs start on Saturday, you can do that. That's one way to listen to this. But I honestly feel like it's worth it to listen to everything. I hope you enjoy it. I love talking to Seth. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, good. Uh, Thanks for having me back. It's exciting because now we actually know who's going to play each other. And before we really get into the nitty-gritty, I was wondering what your kind of larger takeaways with how things actually settled were.
0: Um, I think it kind of broke, I guess it, it just the way it, it was always going to, it, it broke pretty well for the Warriors. Of the teams that they were going to have to play in the second round, of kind of the, quote, threatening teams, I think would have been like Houston, San Antonio, the Clippers, and Memphis. And I think that Memphis just end of the year so banged up that they are maybe the least threatening team and that's the most likely second round opponent for the Warriors so kind of one of the the big reasons why Golden State might not be you know a betting favorite to win the title is uh over over Cleveland is Cleveland has an easier road to the finals and and I think that maybe changed a little bit with how it broke down You know, uh, on the the last couple of days
1: because they got the Bulls also and the Hawks now got an easy road. So it kind of worked out for the first seeds, which I have to like a little bit just because I've always wanted a system that was more forgiving or more favorable for the one seeds.
0: Yeah. um, And actually, you uh, you wrote something about that today. And I I very much like the idea of the uh, of the opponent draft.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean to walk to walk people through it. What I've said, and actually was it was funny when I was digging it out. I the piece that I wrote on it was from originally from 2011, and the idea is that the you do top 16, one to 16, and the top eight teams and the bottom eight teams are separate in a sense, and the top eight teams can choose starting with the best team. From the teams in the bottom eight, and for me, it's not only a better reward for the top teams, which I think is a huge flaw in, in the current system, but also it leads to just ridiculous animosity because anything that with the way players are operate that calls out kind of their talent, that calls out their manhood, I think would be really exciting. No,
0: you know, I just the, both the fairness aspect and the, the, the drama aspect of it would be incredible. Just, like, absolutely. I'm all for stuff like that. If the All-Star game, like, if you wanted to, you know, ramp up the intensity of the All-Star game, do the NHL thing where it's, like, captains and you pick teams. And then, oh, really, I'm the last pick in the All-Star game. Well... Let's let's see about that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I'd I like that there, too. I also think that it would be fun to do some sort of three on three or two on two tournament beforehand, which could also lead to more animosity, because then you have the guys who guys who played against each other like two days before and they just hold those grudges for years because basketball players really do that. I think people sometimes lose sight of that. But basketball players, not in particular, but just generally are very, very, very competitive human beings.
0: And there's, you know, the stuff where the the, the kind of the simmering tensions that were always there between, like, Ray Allen and Kobe Bryant. And it's the kind of thing, like, never read a, you know, a a great explanation about how it started, but they just never, they always hated each other because they always... Hated each other and so then when they played against each other it just had a little bit of an extra edge to it. And that that certainly added something to like those those last kind of Celtics Lakers finals. Just the the, the, the the personal disdain for which they, they felt for each other.
1: Speaking of personal disdain, I'm a little bit disappointed that we're seeing the Celtics against LeBron, but none of the old Celtics are on that team, because I don't know if these current guys have any of that animosity, but that was so much fun, even when the former Celtics ended up facing against LeBron.
0: I'm, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anything come out about it today. I'm actually, I, when that, that series was set, I half jokingly said, I expected Evan Turner to, to make a Celtics and six kind of prediction, but that hasn't, uh, unfortunately hasn't come to pass yet.
1: Why are we going to have a playoffs without Brandon Jennings? I mean, that's just disappointing.
0: Um, cause he signed with the Pistons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and another playoffs without Dion Waiters, but that's also not surprising.
0: Um, in fact, uh, some might say that, 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 that there's a, there's a causal relationship there. Um, No,
1: I mean, they had the best, the Cleveland had the best backcourt in the league and they made the playoffs.
0: (laughs) Well, they might, well, (laughs) I mean, given how J.R. Smith has played since that trade, that, that is, that is not quite the ridiculous statement it was when it was originally made, but I don't think that's what was meant by it at the time.
1: So we'll move on to the, to the Western conference. We'll start there. I think it's more fun to start with the headliners and the big series again, going with the headliners. I'm disappointed on a personal level that we're seeing it in the first round, but Clippers Spurs is going to be magnificent. It is. I'm I, the Clippers. I'm. I go just go back
0: and forth. It's. I, I'm worried that I'm that I'm overreacting to kind of the eye test kind of stuff that you know everyone sees with the Clippers, and at the same time, it's like I just feel like they're they're not nearly as good as their kind of record and and some of their their, their point differential stuff indicates, so I'm not sure whether to, you know, believe, you know, the metrics or my lying eyes on this one. And the Spurs, you know, the Spurs since Kawhi have, has has come back have been, you know, on the level with the Warriors and the Cavs over that time, that time period. So my, my instant reaction is that the Spurs are going to win the series I don't want to say handily, but with a modicum of difficulty.
1: Yeah, I do think that a limitation or being without Tiago Splitter for a stretch makes it a little bit closer? Because I agree with you that on the aggregate, but I think that Splitter is a very important guy with how the Spurs have defended Blake Griffin over the last few years.
0: Uh, I mean, that that certainly could be, although at the same time, um, especially as, as Griffin has kind of gone more out to the perimeter, it's not like putting Kawhi on him isn't... Uh, is something that, that wouldn't work. And then, and then, you know, I don't think Blake has any chance of guarding Kawhi at the other end kind of thing.
1: That's a good, that's a good point. It would be fun to see the Spurs play some four out with the guys they have. And, yeah, and you're right that the the Clippers also don't have a true swingman dominant guy. I mean, Reddick's obviously a very good player, but he's not that Kevin Durant-style guy who's just going to drill it. He's more of a guy... I, I think he's more of a guy that Danny Green can, can guard if you're not going to put Danny Green
0: on Chris Paul. Well, or, I mean, you, you, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. I mean, you put, you, like, I would expect Green and Leonard to guard Paul a lot. And and you can, you know, maybe have Tony Parker spend some time guarding Redick, but also, you know, when Corey Joseph is in the game, have have him do that. and Or Patty Mills and 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 guys who are just going to, you know, run through some screens. And, and, you know, you can make life difficult for him, knowing that the m- more important thing is to... Is to contain and most importantly, thinking about a series, just kind of wear Chris Paul down based on just the the amount of stuff he's going to have to do in this series.
1: So, do you have a guess? I mean, obviously the number of games isn't important, but you were talking about you know someone in the handily range. Like, are you thinking five to six, six? Six,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean the I mean the way the home that's the easy way with the way home court breaks down. Even though for all the talk about the Clippers kind of indifferent home court, I'm not sure the Spurs are a team that. Who's, who travels, you know, their crowd at least travels that well. But at the same time, I don't know how much this particular Spurs team really cares about a road environment. That's true. And, and you know, there's been a much that has been said about how home court advantage just hasn't meant much uh, this season.
1: Mm-hmm and the winner the winner of that series faces the winner of a series that i honestly hadn't seriously considered the dynamics of both on a personal level and just on a basketball level of rockets mavericks i'm a little bit excited about it i you know
0: i kind of am too i mean the the rockets are not quite the team you, they they've been all year i think no uh, moda Yunus, no beverly i like those are not big names, but those are you know a little bit of a, little bit of a difference there. I mean, I'll put it this way: I, I like uh, Rondo's chances of kind of getting himself going a little bit better against, like Jason Terry, than I do against uh, Pat Beverly. You know,
1: that's that's not that's not a very high bar, but yeah, I agree with you. And also. Rick Carlisle is a really good coach. I think almost yeah. everybody agrees with that. And while I think Mikhail is doing a better job now than he had done in the past, I think that there's a distinct coaching advantage there. And when you're dealing in a series where there are a lot of potential adjustments for both teams, considering the way they've handled injuries and handled person- personnel changes over the last you know year or two, I think that there could be some space for Carlisle to either extend this series or even potentially swing it. Um, I you know I
0: don't I think that it, not necessarily the the mismatch between the coaches is isn't where I'd go with it. Just the fact that I think you have more of an opportunity to do things against Houston, just because offensively they are, I mean, for lack of a better term, kind of gimmicky with the kind of the extreme murray ball uh, style they play. And, and, and that's the kind of thing where there's some evidence of this over the last couple of years, but you know, it's, they've played two playoff series and who knows. So, but that, you know, the, that the fact that, you know, when you have time to prepare for it, that kind of, and this is something that will probably come, I'll come back to a fair amount is kind of how, when you have time to prepare for things that may catch you by surprise, you know, on a Tuesday in the regular season uh, you can actually do some things against them and, and kind of the extreme uh, we're only shooting threes and getting to the rim kind of thing is, you know, knowing those things about what the offense is doing gives you some opportunities to kind of plan for those things. And then it's like, does Houston get away from what they've been doing? Does that mean, you know, get Terrence Jones working at the mid-range more? Hmm. That's probably advantage Dallas if that starts to happen, right? Yeah,
1: it, it would be. And the, <laughs> the... the other thing that's that's compelling for me with this series is how... Carlisle and the Mavericks choose to defend James Harden. Obviously, he's a phenomenal player, MVP candidate. And Alfru Camino is definitely an option, but I don't really know. I mean, I don't think you're going to want to put Monte Ellis on him very much. No, but you know, you know it, who they
0: miss? Who they're going to miss is just Jay Crowder.
1: Yeah. You mean you mean future All-Star Jay Crowder? A <laughs>
0: yeah, future All-Star LeBron stopper and and yes. Yeah, um yeah, exactly. And you know that for all that we just kind of said about kind of the sort of the uh the matchup advantages that, you know, might make the series closer than it appears. Dallas just hasn't been that good. You know, they probably weren't as good as as the way they started the year. And then they just have been really just not very good since the Rondo trade. And some of that is is Rondo's own play. Some of that is the loss of Brendan Wright. And some of it is is just kind of natural regression, I think, from uh, an unsustainably hot start. But, you know, all right, Houston might be vulnerable, but is Dallas well equipped to to deal with that. And what by the way what's what we're talking what's the status of Chandler Parsons right now? Yeah, and that's I mean, and you know if he's not you know if he's not 100% and you know it, it, with Ariza uh Houston has a guy who can who can deal with him a little even if he's healthy and if he's not healthy then spend some time with Ariza on Ellis and that just makes it even harder for 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 Dallas. So yeah, there might be some matchup things that make it easier for Dallas, but I the gap was probably big enough that it. I don't necessarily think it matters.
1: So Carlisle is saying that it is promising but not definite that, Ch- that Parsons will play in game one. So, okay. And, and, I mean, yeah, when you're thinking also about the fact that they're replacing him with Richard Jefferson, probably, I mean, among, <laughs> among other guys, considering Richard Jefferson seemed done two years ago, and that's being polite to... Richard Jefferson yeah then yeah I mean that that's a challenge with Dallas but I mean I've always thought that Al Kaminu is the guy who who gets some of those minutes but th- they'll do a series of different things but yeah it's it's a fun series because both teams do things that the other team isn't particularly great at stopping but I also think that the guy who might be this huge swing point in that series is Tyson Chandler interesting because he's his role is to be a to kind of to stop penetration in that sense and to be a rim protector and if he can do that against Houston I think I don't think it'll change what they do but I think it could make them less effective.
0: Though that I mean especially against the, uh, well, not just especially against but Houston is one of the teams where you know if they're if they're kind of going spread pick and roll and then then he's stepping up to stop penetration then then kind of who's picking up Dwight on on the back line kind of thing and and so. And with, with Harden and, and Josh Smith, who's been you know pretty good for Houston, uh, they have guys who are able to kind of make those plays to, you know, kind of similar to the plays that Blake Griffin makes for, for the Clippers to get the ball to to DeAndre, just kind of finding a finisher along the baseline. And so while Tyson's, you know, very good at, at, you know, kind of splitting the difference there, it still puts him in a more difficult spot than he might be against a team that didn't have kind of that uh, – that that backline finisher.
1: That's definitely true. Uh, anything else on this series?
0: Uh no, it's it's a, it's a fascinating series and, and and it's one I'm definitely going back and forth on and you know, kind of like you, I find myself talking myself into the mavs and then remembering like wait, I think I'm counting on like, you know, Dirk from 2013 or something or, you know, the, the, a more recent Dirk than than the one we have now. And, you know, he's he's not the same guy, even though he kind of physically looks the same. And, and that's it, kind of, you look up and down their team and that's kind of where it is.
1: Yeah. I, I was thinking about just, yeah, just how that all worked out. And then I was thinking about the next series, which is Memphis and Portland. Things worked out really well for the Grizzlies, considering their current health status, that they should be able to get right against a team. That's just been decimated by. Injury. Yeah.
0: Portland season ended when Wes Matthews went down. I mean, it's, you know, they weren't a deep team to begin with. And, Aaron Aflalo has been secretly pretty terrible since they acquired him, actually. I, I thought that was a decent trade for Portland to make, but Aflalo getting, you know, the backup minutes uh, versus becoming a starter is, you know, a decent drop off. And then for as, as, you know, reasonable as CJ McCollum has been, that's that's just an, another further drop off still. And while, you know, Memphis isn't necessarily a team with the wing scoring to to take total advantage of that, it's still I just, you just wonder if how Portland's going to get enough points against against Memphis.
1: Yeah, especially if they if their bigs get in foul trouble because that's something that Memphis can do. And yeah. that would make it a lot harder for Portland because then they'd basically be a Damien Lillard team. And while Dame is great, he's not that guy.
0: And, you know, also, I mean, I, I saw someone make this point on, on, on Twitter. Is there another team that's going to hit Aldridge on his accidentally on purpose, accidentally... Like okay, they're gonna they're gonna go for strips, like just all the time, and it's not gonna be a dirty play, but you know it's a guy with a hurt thumb who's got the ball, go after the ball, and his thumb is going to get hit sometimes, and it's and so that's you know you maybe worry about that a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, that's a great point, and also why part of the reason it's good fortune for Memphis is that. It should give them the time to get Mike Conley back for a potential series after that, which is very important because Memphis, at full strength, is going to be a dangerous team. But Memphis, anything less than full strength, is going to have a lot of trouble with any of the top teams in the West.
0: Yeah, and kind of Memphis, the the Jeff Green-infected Memphis, just isn't quite the... (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: is it? Isn't it? It's, dis- it's so disappointing to me. Well, the Jeff Green thing is the Jeff Green thing, but also that Courtney Lee in the last like month or so has just not been that guy either. Because yeah. the hope was that one of the two of them would work out. Because Tony yeah. Allen has his huge benefits to him, and if they had a, a fifth guy, it would just totally change the complexion of their team. The fifth guy is not Jeff Green. Yeah.
0: Just they they need like the one wing score and and somehow they they still for you know ever since. The Rudy Gay trade, or maybe even a little before, so basically since Rudy Gay like injured his shoulder the first time, I think they kind of just have, and whatever happened with OJ Mayo, they just haven't had like a consistent, you know, wing threat. And and maybe you maybe you wish they had the version of Quincy Pondexter that that New Orleans has. Even that would be, you know, just. Okay, you know, we have all this other stuff going around, just stand there and, and, and hit open shots and they don't even have that really.
1: Imagine if they had Corver. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's twenty nine teams. Oh darn.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, but but and yeah, I, so I think that's are you thinking more in the like four to five range for that series or more five to six?
0: Um, I don't know. It could it could be a longer series just because it's gonna be it's gonna be a grind for Memphis as much as it is you know they're they're not necessarily a, a, a they're a team that's going to win on points, not by knockout.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If, if I can make a a, a, a boxing analogy, I guess that um you know it, it could be a short series. I mean, if if Portland has three games where they just don't make any outside shots, then it, it might be a sweep yeah. because they're they're going to be so dependent on. On 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 making threes, and if they if that doesn't happen, then it could get ugly fast. But you got to figure they'll have at least a game or two, especially in Portland where where those shots go down, and and so maybe it goes five or six.
1: Yeah, I, I was I think we're pretty clean on this one. Moving on to the Warriors and the Pelicans, it's. Uh, it it makes me feel strange because I'm super happy for the Pelicans that they got in and I think it'll be a nice step for Anthony Davis in particular but most of their guys don't have a, a much playoff experience but I feel like they're just going to get slaughtered.
0: Yeah, just, you know, you and you try to find things where where well maybe like there's what's one of the big weaknesses of the Warriors is their their uh you know, a not great uh, defensive rebounding team and, and, you know, Tyreek Evans gets to the bucket and, you know, kind of an interesting quirk for him is, you know, his missed shots are, are amongst the most offensive rebounded of any team. He was, I think the most last year. And I haven't, I haven't looked as of the end of this season, but up until about a month ago, he was again, the highest percentage but then you see uh, of his of his misses are rebounded by teammates but then the guys who are good at offensive rebounding for New Orleans are guys who can't finish when they get the offensive rebound so it's like um if you look at uh, like Asik and 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 Ajinsa and Davis is very good on putbacks also but i mean so but of the other two guys who get a lot of their offensive rebounds are really bad at you know putting the ball back up and scoring it's it's sort of good news bad news there and just there's i i kind of feel like that Golden State is just with matchups and movement and stuff, just gonna tie anything New Orleans tries to do in on defense and knots. Were we having this discussion, or was I have with, with someone else about you know I'd be very tempted anytime time, uh, Oshik was on the floor just to give him nobody to guard, go super small and 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 you know and, and if they're gonna if if Omer is gonna or is gonna beat you with his offense then. He, if he's going to beat you scoring over Draymond Green or something like that, you live with that.
1: But, are we? Are or when you saying putting no one on him? Do you mean David Lee?
0: No, I think. I mean, I think David Lee is no. I, I mean, I think like playing like Draymond at the five.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that would be really fun going five out and yeah. just going real real different there, and also that negates some of what Anthony Davis does so well.
0: Yeah and 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 so you know if 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 it's just, if they're going to play like Davis and Anderson then maybe you go slightly more conventional and 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 you know have have Bogut kind of do dirty Andrew Bogut things on Anthony Davis and and also I mean it just you know Golden State is going to score a billion points so it, it whatever else happens probably doesn't matter.
1: Yeah I'm thinking that It'll end up being five just because I think they'll pull out one game at home and just be, you know, they'll have the, they've had some really good games. I mean, they they were dominating the Spurs early in that game for reasons that I'm not completely clear on because I actually missed the first half of that game. But I think that they'll put it together for one game and that'll be nice and I'll be really happy for them and then it'll be over.
0: They got so for like they were so there for the taking in the fourth quarter of that game. Oh yeah, and, and and the Spurs just didn't really execute very well. And but they they were so tight in the in the fourth quarter in the early fourth quarter of that game. It's like you know that you could almost see like their guards like take out a little like like pump needle and try to literally take the air out of the ball on every possession and and stare at the clock. That thing isn't moving fast enough. Are we done yet? And they it's... they
1: hope to go back to a thirty five second shot clock for a, yeah the exactly. second they, half yeah yeah and that's something that I worry actually about a little bit with this Pelicans team is that they they have they played with a lead in a way that's very different than when the Warriors actually played with their starters with a lead which is just you know going for it as as long as you can and then you know eventually you know taking your foot off the gas pedal they were but they did a lot of playing your... not to lose
0: yeah but taking your foot off the gas pedal by putting Brandon Rush in the game not by Steph Curry are, like holding the ball at half court. Yeah,
1: exactly. Are you are you talking about a conspiracy theory to boost up Stephen Curry's plus minus stats by I, by putting in the backups and allowing them to get annihilated? I don't think it's a conspiracy. I, I
0: think it's a statistical ar- fact and artifact that some of some of like the that that stuff um, looks a little bit better than it maybe should because of you know terrible fourth quarter lineups. <laughs> yeah. i mean i was looking at this the other day is like you know the warriors through th- three quarters with, with curry off the court are still a 50 win team you know they play at a, a 50 win level and then the fourth quarter they're just awful with him off the court um but that's because in the, with him off the court in the fourth quarter the lineups are like yeah it's not representative
1: know,
0: it's like justin holiday and leandro barbosa and 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 most anchoring the lineup and you know it's these aren't real lineups and they're they're Points in games where they're you know they're up twenty and who
1: cares? Yeah, and the other team is gunning a lot more for it than the Warriors guys are because those Warriors guys already have their role and everything else. So yeah. W- would you rather go to the East or do a little bit on how you how you think the later rounds could go? We don't need to go into so much stuff because we don't even know who's going to be facing yeah. each other. But w- which way makes more sense to you?
0: Um, you know, I think that, uh, and we talked about it a little bit that I think that uh, the Warriors, uh, assuming it's Memphis, I think that you know unless unless Some things change and we get, you know, uh, two solid weeks of good Jeff Green, for example. And uh, Mike Conley is healthy enough to battle credibly against Steph Curry. I think that uh, that's a fairly straightforward series for for Golden State. And then the other side, I mean, Houston-San Antonio is the most likely, right?
1: Yeah, I think I would probably favor the Spurs-Clippers winner over the Rockets despite not having home court regardless of who gets it.
0: I, I mean, I think so, too. I mean, I think that, that, you know, if if we're talking about, you know, Houston with Beverly, and and I, he's making – Beverly's making noises about trying to get back on the court, isn't he? Um,
1: yeah, I, I think so. But, yeah, it's hard to imagine him being even close to 100%. But
0: yeah. But being and, and,
1: below 100% could still be very useful for the Rockets.
0: Yeah, but, uh, you know, without, without him and, and, and Moto Yunus, you know, that's – one of the things is – He's turned into a decent enough player, but also just the fact that he's just such a different look for them yeah. than their other big guys is, is which you know especially against uh, San Antonio, being able to kind of do multiple different things is kind of important because if you're again, we talked about it a little before, if Houston's doing the same old thing over and over again, I think Pop especially is going to have something for for them.
1: You Absolutely. Know? Do you think that the Spurs are the toughest conceptual matchup for the Warriors of any team in the league in a seven game series?
0: I mean conceptual, I don't know. I mean he, I mean LeBron is a pretty tough conceptual matchup for anybody. You know, with all due respect to kind of Draymond, they don't have necessarily ideal, you know, personnel to to guard him, though who does? I mean between the the two of them, sure. I you know, the the Cleveland we're getting ahead of ourselves, but the Cleveland matchup is 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 interesting because you know someone who's going to go come right back at curry and maybe you know test the steph curry elite defender theory a little bit hmm. <laughs> is, is you know Kyrie is, is not gonna is not gonna be afraid of going right at right at curry on the offensive end as well but sure i mean san antonio is is you know the in a, especially in a playoff series is the toughest conceptual problem for basically every team just because i mean they're of their their depth and and the number of different ways in which they can, you know, decide to play that can present a number of different challenges.
1: Do you think that the difficulty of the Spurs road to get to the conference finals gives a little bit of a boost to the Warriors in terms of likelihood of making the NBA finals, even if you're more dubious of the Warriors in that particular matchup?
0: I mean, sure. I mean, dodging the Spurs is, you know, the less likelihood they have of facing the spurs in the conference finals the better their likelihood of the of of making the finals i mean that's that seems fairly straightforward doesn't it
1: yeah oh, i was just thinking about how hilarious it would be this year considering the way that the nba does seeding the lee if the conferences automatically reseeded we probably would have gotten warriors spurs in the second round because <laughs> they ended up at the 6 that's why you let them choose their opponents
0: <laughs> so if they you think if they they reseeded it would have been so it would have been yeah, no, they would have been probably the fourth team because assuming assuming that uh, Houston beats beats Dallas, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I I don't think da- I don't I don't expect Dallas to win that series. That then the Warriors would be sweating bullets throughout that. But yeah, that's I I, I, I...
0: <laughs> come on, Dallas is I think what what yeah, uh, they rooted for Memphis where...
1: last night. I'm I'm guessing I wasn't yeah. in the locker room, but I'm assuming they were very happy with the result. But we'll move on to the East, and I think. We we can talk about it, of course, but I think that the first round series, other than Raptors-Wizards, are pretty cut and dry.
0: Yeah, the Celtics don't have enough to do anything against Cleveland, all due respect to, you know, what's been a nice second half run. It's just just not nearly enough talent there to, you know, a team that's, since LeBron came back from the labaticle, they've been the best team in the league right there with the Warriors, basically, when once they've had a a full team that kind of makes sense as opposed to kind of the mismatched parts they had up until january
1: Dion waiters the one-man island of misfit toys
0: well it wasn't just that it was also you know Sean oh, yeah. marion at shooting guard and and you know no rim protection even with verja healthy and and you know and, and, and an now even,
1: and even more poorly utilized kevin love
0: yeah, I can go as long as you want <laughs> on, 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 on the whole Kevin Love. No, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's, 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 you know, what's best for Kevin Love versus what's, what's best for Kevin Love's stats versus what's best for the Cavs are very different things. I think that especially if he's, his mobility is limited and it's, I think, fairly clear that it is, the way he's being used is, is about how he should be used.
1: Random but, but, aside. But... If the war, if the Warriors had done the rumored but rejected by the Warriors, Clay Thompson for Kevin Love as the principal's deal, how do you think the Warriors would would look this year?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think that you know historical offense is still is still right there. I mean, their defense probably isn't. They're probably not as good just because their their offense might be a little bit better, but their defense than it than it has been. But their defense would be much worse.
1: Yeah. And and, and you and you lose some of what Draymond brings because if he's playing more of the three, but then yeah. I was thinking about the idea of how much amazingness he would have put in for stretches playing Draymond and Love at the four or five and just going demonic five out. No,
0: they were, I mean, they would have scored all the points. All the points, but but you know, especially given uh, Clay Thompson's improvement offensively, which yeah. um, has been real and, and substantial. And, and on top of just being, you know, the, the, everyone on the roster being utilized better, um, who saw that coming, aside from everyone, as I disrespect the Caterpillar, <laughs> um, they what they would maybe gain in offense is just massively offset by what they would lose, you know, basically, you know, taking the, one arguable defensive player of the year candidate and putting him into a different spot where he's probably less effective and you know losing and just taking another kind of all defense first second team level guy um i think if i had a ballot i might vote for thompson first team all defense wow I, I, i'm i'm a huge fan of his of, of his defense interesting so just super impressed by it uh, but anyway yeah uh, but
1: moving moving back to yeah. the to the to the east of the three lower seeds so the bucks the celtics and the nets they're all low chances but who would you say has the best chance of pulling the first round up? bucks yeah. Yeah, the other two don't just don't don't really have any chances. It's hard, it's hard to be lower than almost zero.
0: Yeah. No. then the like the nets are making noises and or or kind of people supporting the nets are making noises. But you know, all right, fine. And even if you want to say Atlanta's not as good as their record and you know Cephalosia stuff, that you know they've been without Cephalosha for most of the year and and you know you would talk about a, you know a team that is even keeled enough by any kind of you know, reporting, observation, whatever, that the guys in the locker room are going to be professional and not be distracted. It's them, and, and you know, and they're just so much better than the Nets, who just aren't good, and plus, also...
1: Plus, if the, if the Nets won, the Hawks have the right to swap wins in the series at the end of it, because <laughs> that's a part of the Joe Johnson trade. <laughs>
0: that would be amazing. <laughs> Heads I win, tails you lose. <laughs> yeah,
1: so Raptors-Wizards, I do think... I I uh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be fun, but I do think it'll be interesting.
0: It's it's just it's it's camp depression.
1: And it's it, potentially the only series that goes 7. Or that goes that that goes 6-7 in even in that range.
0: Yeah, no. I mean I think the the Bucks and Bulls, it, first of all, the Bucks and Bulls series is it, it it may go 7 games, but it'll seem like 14 cuz I think we're going to we're going to see some games in the 70s uh in in that series. Ugh. It's going to be a rock fight.
1: If, thankfully, neither team has Scott Skiles as the coach because that would just make it more ridiculous. Yeah, not but... not that I dislike Scott Skiles. Just oh, no, it's going to be a rock fight. I agree with yeah. you. Do you think that I think the Wizards have a pretty good chance? I I like them, and I like the Raptors when they're a hundred percent, but I'm just not totally sold on them right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you if you if you like Washington, you kind of go with the the best player in the series. Uh, theory and I think I think that you know for as good as Kyle Lowry is I think Wall is probably just a cut above so that's as the best player in the series and then it's it's I don't know every time I start to think about this this series is just like they just sink into a dark morass of (laughs) of, do you think
1: either of them has a chance of beating the Hawks a realistic chance let's not let's not do the like any chance like one out of a thousand you know a realistic chance
0: you look at the talent on paper and stuff like that and you can sure but then you look at this, how both teams have, uh, have played and and kind of you know you, you talk about the playoffs being a matchup game and you know not to be you know coaching expert commentator guy but do you trust either of those guys to press the right buttons in a series where they're you know at a disadvantage to you know flip the, flip the script
1: yeah that's a great point. <laughs>
0: both teams are, are are kind of very much less than a sum of their parts as as assembled kind of as, as they're you know playing there there's a lot of kind of wasted motion on on, on both both squads and oh. as compared to the, the
1: wizards oh. yeah oh.
0: And, oh. You, and and by you know by contrast you know the Hawks is just like the economy of motion you know mm-hmm. so if you're I mean, you know i think we we've in general underrated the Hawks talent yeah, a little bit like we did with the, with the Spurs last year. Like they have, you know, really good players. Um, I think, uh, you know, Millsap and, and and Horford especially are, are really good. So, you know, I think in, 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 that series, Atlanta arguably has the two best players on the floor against either team and uh, those two guys. So, and then, you know, uh, and, and, you know, you want best player Corver is kind of a weird, you know, guy to talk about in terms of best player but in terms of impactful player I mean he's certain, his, just his his movement and shooting and and, and his passing ability and, and everything he does also yeah. just makes him a, just a, a tremendously effective player and they,
1: they not only have it at the top but they also have substantially more and better depth which is important as well because they have depth in, in ways that they will play them it's not like oh their eight to ten guys are really good their their core rotation guys are also very solid.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit, you know, aside from, you know, maybe Antich, who's not good, but they have, you know, they, a little bit like the Spurs. They have, they, they have like the, you know, the, the gears, they can, they can change gears, you know, they go, you know, kind of a small ball with Mike Scott kind of thing. They can go two point guards with, with, with uh, Teague and Schroeder and, you know, playoff shooter, I'm, I'm excited for.
1: I was just going to say, I'm excited that in that series, playoff shooter gets to face either Kyle Lowry or John Wall which seems intriguing to me. I would be excited yeah. to see how that works out.
0: <laughs> or maybe he gets to face Grievous Vasquez for Ramon Sessions. Oh. Wow. <laughs>
1: but, yeah. so the last, the last second round series is the one that I, I think we all want to see and also that we expect to see, which is Cavs-Bulls. I think that the Cavs are the heavy frontrunners unless the Bulls get all the way back to their, to their ceiling. If they can reach their ceiling, it gets competitive.
0: We talk about their ceiling. Do they? I mean, I think we're we're uh, kind of like we talked about with Dirk, you know, a little bit. We're kind of, you know, harkening back to to days of 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 Bulls past and especially Bulls defenses.
1: That's past. definitely true. Especially when, well, I I was thinking it's also again a distant dream that they're going to play more of Mirtich with Noah and Pal with Taj, and we haven't seen it.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I don't think we've seen kind of good Noah all year and whether or not that's you know him being a little nicked up or you know him being shunted out outside more by playing with pow at the same time you know you you talk about one of the uh, ways that uh that you know chicago could you know really make that a competitive series and that's you know pow dominating offensively so it's it's you know it's you squint your eyes, you see ways in which the Bulls could could do some stuff, but then you you realize just what a a, a massive advantage Cleveland's going to have uh, on the perimeter, almost regardless of what else happens. I mean, you know, whether it's this year's Derrick Rose or Aaron Brooks or or the ghost of Kirk Heinrich or something like Kyrie, you got to figure that Kyrie is is not uh, is not going to be slowed slowed down so much in 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 that series, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah you, I agree with that.
0: And it's and they don't necessarily have anyone else they can slide over to to cover him either. I mean Jimmy Butler or whatever. But you know then who guards LeBron and and it's it's and and oh, come on top on. of
1: Mike Dunleavy the LeBron stopper.
0: <laughs> I thought we already decided that Jay Crowder was the LeBron stopper.
1: Well, the, he's going to transfer it like in Freaky Friday to Mike Dunleavy. <laughs> that is a movie I would totally see. <laughs>
0: Okay. my my mind just melted.
1: Yeah, do you think do you think that the Cavs have a better chance of making the finals than the Warriors?
0: You know, uh, before the seeds were finalized, I would have said yes. Now it's it seems like it's kind of broken perfectly for to be as difficult as possible for the Cavs and as easy as possible, you know, from where it could have been uh, for the Warriors. So I don't know. I think the the Cavs have a the, you know. On the, overall, on the overall scale of things, I think the Warriors are probably a slightly better team, but they also have a, a somewhat harder route. So how that shakes out, I don't know.
1: It's a good, yeah, and, and I think people are underrating the Hawks. You know, as much as I think that the Cavs are a really good team, and I think that people are also underappreciating how well they played since LeBron took his break, that the Hawks are, are quite a good team, and so I think that they'll get a challenge there. But there isn't a team there that I think is as dangerous as the Spurs. Let's say, yeah. Like, we- and
0: and if I can, like one of the one of the, um, you know, having watched a ton of the Hawks this year, one of the you know the sort of the matchup ways that they you know they seem weakest to, um, you know, I guess a blueprint is kind of the the game where their their long winning streak got snapped was against uh, New Orleans, and. Basically, they they just got physically dominated by Anthony Davis, but even more than that, Tyreek Evans, and you know, LeBron is like the 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 super uber great awesome actually good version of Tyreek Evans, just in terms of his ability to to add skills and decision making on top of you know the, the 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 size and athletic gifts, and and all and then you know the, him and Kyrie, so you have like two of the top whatever kind of abilities to you know deconstruct a defense individually guys against a team that's you know based more on 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 snuffing out kind of system movement and then and counting on the individual defensive talent to 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 not get broken down that much well all of a sudden they're going to be getting broken down all over the place cuz of who they're playing against and and I just wonder if that kind of breaks the, their their system a little bit
1: yeah, I think I think that's a huge point, and it's unfortunate in some ways that the worst, kind of the worst possible, not the worst possible matchup, but a bad matchup for the, for the Hawks is the team that will likely. No, I them.
0: I think it is might be the, the worst possible matchup for them. I think they I think the Hawks match up better with the Warriors than they do with the with yeah. the with with the, with the Cavs.
1: I was going to ask you about that. That's I, I was thinking of it slightly the other way, but that's also for me whether Cleveland can get to where I think they can go.
0: Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I, again, I just think that while Steph is obviously a, a, an individually destructive player, it's not the the forcefulness with which LeBron and Kyrie do it is is the kind of thing which I think um, Atlanta is not well equipped to 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 deal with. Like they can, you know, on Curry they can double and help and recover and move, but they just you know if you've looked at games where they just have not done. Well, it's just been that just getting physically overwhelmed to the basket and, and from, especially from the perimeter and, you know, the Warriors don't necessarily have that guy, but the Cavs do. And that's, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind it, of the,
1: that's the, yeah, I can see, I can see the logic in that. I was just realizing that if we get a Cavs Warriors finals, we get two guys who have never coached an NBA game before the season.
0: Yeah. Though guys, who have obviously taken a very different route to, to, to get there.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's so far ahead, but your quick thoughts on a potential Cavs Warriors finals. We talked about it a little bit before.
0: I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of how much do we, do we count the, the account for, you know, the fact that, you know, this will, that would be LeBron's sixth finals and, you Oof. know, right. And, and, and the four with the heat and yeah. And the so one with finals. the Cavs. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, the first, you know, by massive amounts, the biggest games for everyone aside, unless we're going to count, like, Draymond in the Final Four, right? Yeah. For any, anybody on the Warriors. And, and, you know, how much you think that matters or not matters some, but not totally. But the, and, 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 and it's
1: also true that most of the guys on the Cavs haven't had any yeah, real – I mean, their yeah. French players have. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, there, there would, if that happens, it would be very atypical for a lot of reasons, but at the, but not atypical considering the talent involved.
0: No, but that's that is a really good point, is that the only like from both both teams, the only guy who's gonna be getting significant kind of rotation time that that's that's been there done that at all is LeBron. On on either team.
1: Well Amon Shepherd was on a title contender on the Knicks
0: okay.
1: that year, the year that J.R. Yeah. Smith elbowed Jason Terry. Yeah.
0: They were they were a title contender until J.R. Smith went J.R. Smith. Oh. I,
1: I See, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I don't think that team was a real title contender. No, you? I don't either.
0: I don't either. Yeah, they were good. They were good. Yeah, they're,
1: that was exciting for New York, but I didn't think they were a title contender. No. They, they
0: you know, they were they were a team that, that whose regular season record kind of um, overstated the strength of their team in kind of the playoff environment, which is, you know, I think that's something that, that it, it's just, you know, there are subtle differences between the two games, and it's not just the, you know, when th- things slow down in the playoffs, though they do. Um, but it's also it's, it's the seeing the same team, you know, six, seven times in a row and and the game is officiated a little bit differently. And, you know, you're playing against a good team every night instead of, you know, the Lakers every, every other night or, the, you know, yeah. oh, this, this week we've got the we've got the Sixers and the Lakers so we can work on some stuff. You don't you don't have that opportunity.
1: Yeah, and, so, and the the way that you see a game is very different in a seven game series because the coaches are looking for those advantages, and they're doing and they're they're doing everything in that as opposed to thinking about this game and thinking about the next game, which is going to be against somebody different, probably in a different town.
0: Yeah, no, and it's just that that level of of kind of of focus that and that it kind of requires, you know, a different a little bit of a different tool set. like yeah. you you know, like a team like the Hawks one another part you know offensively one of the things you worry about them going into the playoffs is you know they're they're kind of extreme pace and space ball player movement thing you know if if you've if you played Oklahoma city the night before and now, now you play the Hawks, it's, it's, the, is this the same game,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you
0: know, it, it, you know, one, you know, super ISO pound the ball kind of, and, and that's overstated a little bit for Oklahoma city, but go with it <laughs> um, um, versus, you know, the, the, the Hawks ball player movement and stuff like that. And, you know, that if you're just, you know, on a random night in the season that catches you by surprise and maybe, you know, the first half of the first game, it catches you by surprise to, you know, get velocitated to it in the playoffs. But then all right, we've seen that. Let's let's figure out how we can deal with that. Okay, yeah. how do we, you know, guard Corver and not leave him? How do we wh- where is it okay to let Horford do his thing and where do we have to, you know, what shots do we have to run him off of? Those those little things that if it's if it's, you know, 4 games out of 82, you, you there's some intricacies that you you just don't pick up on or you just, you can't cuz you know how could you versus if you're just focusing all of your energy on it for you know 2 weeks maybe you can you can really create some adjustments and so you know maybe maybe the hawks have wrinkles for that but we we don't know yeah and versus you know what what is what is your wrinkle for you know I am LeBron James no one can stop me because I am LeBron James <laughs> and it's 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 kind of it's reductive but you know it's also yeah. Do you
1: think we'd see a fair amount of Schumpert on Stephen Curry if that series happens?
0: That's a good question. I, you know, I I don't know um whether Schumpert is his whether his his he's as good as his kind of rep defensively. I mean, I think the the important thing you'd need against whoever's guarding Curry is is discipline. And I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, chumps maybe a little bit more of a gambler go for steals kind of getting passing lanes kind of thing and you can't do that guarding stuff right you True. have to you have to you know you know it's it's maybe you maybe the best way to guard him in that hypothetical series is all right Kyrie, you're gonna have to run through some screens and we'll give you help on every screen, but you just work as hard as you can to stay close to him and and you know and and make him work and 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 or alternatively you just Double him in every pick and roll and, and you know, make Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut score to beat you.
1: Or alternatively, what I I was asked about this on the radio a couple weeks ago, which is funny considering how far away we are from it. And I said, (laughs) maybe what you do is you focus on stopping everybody else. You do kind of, I I called it, I said it was what, incidentally, what Miami should have done against Dirk when they faced them, which is I didn't trust any of their other guys to really create for themselves if they had a, a, a blanket on them and do that and then just maybe curry's going to get 35 40 but you're not going to rely you, i think it would stagnate the warriors offense and i think that it would i think it would work honestly i think that's the way to do it with cleveland's personnel if you have the spurs personnel then you do something very different
0: i don't know about that just because like it golden state runs so much stuff where they're kind of bouncing people off curry a lot yeah that's true and 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 so you're if you're you know all of a sudden you're you know you're turning it into you know if you're if you're you know blanketing clay thompson with whoever and not helping off of him then all of a sudden any time like clay thompson sets a ball screen for for Steph, it, it's a double screen because it's you know clay's guy and or clay and the guy who's guarding him are both in in you know in in, in uh Kyrie's way mm-hmm. so you know just not letting not letting curry come off that that pick cleanly um seems to be to, and easier said than done, obviously, because yeah. he's, you know, he's clever with the ball and, you know, doesn't need that much space to get a shot off and all that stuff. But that would seem to 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 me to be the more fruitful. And it's not ideal because yeah. then you're, you know, you're you're kind of forced to play a little bit of four on three uh, with a guy who's a good passer with the ball.
1: Yeah, I also um, think we'd see LeBron on Curry at the end of games, which would be thrilling. I, yeah, i no, that I'm, would be I'm fun. not sure I'd be ex- more excited for any defensive matchup than that because we've already seen a little bit of Kawhi on Steph, and we've seen Danny Green, but LeBron. I mean, that is something that I've always wanted to see, and I mean, I'd love to see Anthony Davis guard a perimeter score. That's the other one I have wanted to see for years. We're not going to get really get to see that this year, but LeBron on Curry would be amazing.
0: No, no, that I think we'll we'll see we'll see a little bit of that, and that'll that'll definitely be fun. I mean, I think that you know they'll 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 throw in in this hypothetical matchup they'd throw a bunch of different guys at him at various times and maybe maybe have kevin love guard him and see if curry laughs himself to <laughs> <death>. and, and <laughs> you know actually who you know who th- they might spend a little bit of time on him is is tristan thompson wow, like if they if they, if they
1: fascinating
0: no if they i mean you think about that like switch and all yeah, right switch it and you know and be ready to to have some help along the baseline and and if he if he you know, if he gets by, you stay with him and, and make make Curry finish in the trees every time that, that that's one possibility. Okay. But it's just, you know, give, giving him different looks and not letting him get, you know, the, those easy shots where full for him. Easy shots where he's kind of, you know, in a in a nice rhythm, just coming off the, the pick and roll on the bounce. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Wow, yeah, that'd be fun. But before I before I let you go, I wanted to give you the floor to. I am not a big awards guy. I think you know that. But if there are any guys or roles or whatever that you think, or an award that you think should be out that is that isn't given of some something that you think is a misconception that you would like to correct. Let's but let's make it award centric.
0: Um, I think a lot of I mean, the, the, a lot of the discussion of of. Of defense is still so questionable because we're it's so um, so focused on on like stopping on on, a, on an individual matchup stopping your guy and I think that eighty percent of the time your guy doesn't have the ball and you're still doing important things defensively when your guy doesn't have the ball and it's not. As important, like you're not, you know. Obviously, when your guy has the ball, he's the most dangerous. But it doesn't. So much of 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 what makes someone a, a good defender is what happens when they're not guarding the ball, and and so and that leads to silliness. Like, well, you know, DeAndre Jordan is is great at rotating over and you know, blocking shots, uh, but there's other things he doesn't do very well. So I don't know. That's my that's that's why why a guy like you know Kawhi is is just you know massively awesome is not only is he on the ball a great defender but he's a you know great help defender and a a great you know gamble for steals defender and and really good rebounder and just everything that goes into defense so um you know i guess maybe i'd be i'm i'm stumping for him to be defensive player of the year even though in my hypothetical ballot i think i voted for bogut Mm my my hypothetical i don't actually have a ballot
1: we're (laughs) not they don't love us no that's all right
0: uh, yeah, I you know we'll create I, w- we'll
1: create a third award just for for people yeah. who don't get votes for the media one and who aren't players.
0: Well, to be honest, like I you know I I don't I don't know if it's the same for you, but getting enough kind of vitriolic feedback from even the hypothetical ballots that I I would hate to see what <laughs> what what it would look like if what 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 my mail would look like if if I had an actual ballot that people could get mad at.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't let that stuff bother me too much anymore. But yeah, it definitely does happen. I mean, anytime you make a tangential reference, the one that got me recently was, I wasn't even being critical. I made a passive comment about how, oh, it's funny that the Hawks basically dumped Lou Williams before the end of the year. And, I had, I, and the Hawks had a great year. I love the Hawks. And all these Hawks fans just came after me. <laughs> thanks, thanks, and no small part to Robbie Kalin retweeting it and responding to it. But yeah. it, but it was just like, okay, you know, I was—that's yeah. not what I was saying. It was just interesting that there was this guy who is being a, a a substantial positive for another team in the playoff race that was dumped for what ended up not being a whole lot. But that wasn't obviously the plan. The plan was to use the cap space for something more substantive. It just didn't happen.
0: Well, it's you know, it could have been worse. He could have been you know dumped for the right to pay his. Part of his salary for the next five years, and then be a, then be a key contributor on a, on another playoff team. But you're still out the salary the next five years, or they could didn't or, make the playoffs anyway. Or uh, they or they could have st- signed Lance,
1: or they could have signed Lance Stevenson.
0: No, you know, all right, I'm gonna, you know, that was it. That was a, a, I think a very reasonable gamble. Like the contract oh, so amount agreed, they got, agreed. like very reasonable, and it just has worked awfully. Um, But it's, I mean, maybe he comes, you know, if he he wasn't healthy to start the year, and maybe he gets a full training camp and things work out, blah, blah, blah. Or he's just an albatross and it it goes down as one of the worst signings of all time. Even though I think. It
1: has a team option the last year. You're talking to somebody who actively stumped for the Warriors to trade David Lee for Lance Stevenson. And I wasn't doing it sarcastically, I was doing it because I thought it would be a good move for the Warriors.
0: Though I think that the season that George Hill had makes me like Lance Stevenson less. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes sense. George oh, Hill was makes great this year sense. and he was great this year. And he was like he was like him and right. He was alongside Roy Hibbert were kind of the, the, the pin cushions for for Pacers fans last year. And it's like, well, he was obviously now we can see. he's uh, I always thought he was a pretty good player. And uh, he was, you know, put into kind of a very tertiary role to allow Lance to do some stuff. And now it seems that Hill could have done the, the Lance things just as well apparently
1: Kyle Lowry Um, without Rudy Gay anyone yeah it happens yeah it happens but I I think the reason I wanted him on the Warriors was because I thought he would be a really intriguing bench player on a team that doesn't like I mean Sean Livingston does a lot of things well and I'm a huge fan of Sean Livingston but I think that he would have brought some something to an offensive unit that stagnates a lot and his defense would be really nice with those units
0: Oh, and again, I think that that, that the uh, the stagnation of the Warriors' offense with Curry on the bench is uh, aside, you know, is is overblown um, because it it you're, you're counting the 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 trash fourth quarter lineups a little too heavily. Yeah, that's true. You too. know, you know, again, they they were you know uh, you know a plus three and a half or so you know per game team th- for through three quarters with with Curry on the bench. So it's not like they weren't still pretty good. You know they, they were they were like the, as good as the Rockets are basically, uh, with with you know the the all the Rockets you know with Harden with with Curry on the bench. So, uh, you know the need for that that bench punch is is maybe a little bit. Uh, all right, you're 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 not a sixty some win team with with the probable MVP on the bench. Well, no crap. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's a good point. Uh, anything else you want to share with listeners?
0: Oh man, I uh, it's so much playoff previews to do now.
1: Andrew, Andrew Bogut wins the rim protection award, correct? Uh,
0: uh, Rudy Gobert. Oh, he did. Yeah, Rudy Gobert uh, pulled it out at the end. Um, it was those were the the. the I mean, you know, it's it's an estimate, so um, it, I'm not saying that you know one is definitively better than the other or anything like that but that is you know, what you're saying that is only what yeah, you're saying yeah no uh in in the the ironclad rankings of of 2014-15 rim protection rudy gobert wins yes that's what do i'm you, saying
1: okay this is something i i got a little bit i was talking on twitter a couple i think it was a month ago i feel like the jazz could win 45 plus games next year maybe even 50
0: they you know they they need uh they need they need some help in the backcourt. Yeah. Um, whether that's you know natural development from Dante Exum, um, I think you know with the way that uh, that that Gordon Hayward plays, Gordon Hayward, he's not quite on the the level. I mean, there's you know you talk about you know guys who are are, are wings who are basically playing point guard on offense, like you know like LeBron and and James Harden. In terms of role this year, Hayward basically in the last two years, Hayward has basically done that. Whether he's good enough at that to to really f- fulfill that role, and then then Exum becomes sort of a three and D point guard almost. Um, but then you still need one more guard, and it's not Trey Burke. Um, and wh- so whether it's you know whether it's uh, uh, you know Alec Burks coming back, or you know the guy like Elijah Millsap, Bryce Cotton becomes a decent player, or they you know gets they 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 get kind of a a a a combo guard in the draft mario um,
1: hazonia or
0: or uh, the i mean where where they're gonna be picking i mean is the guy from ohio state I, I you know i don't know the this year's draft well enough to really speculate on specifics um someone not a harrison twin obviously um <laughs> so yeah i mean there's certain though i mean i think that uh there there may be set up for you know the uh they had the feel good, you know, second half of this season. Maybe they're set up for, you know, the the wheels fall off season like uh, the Suns sort of had this year.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking about it also in the context of we talked about how I, the West was decimated to a point by injuries this year, but you know they were still really good teams. I feel like at this point, the West next year, if they don't move to a top sixteen format, might be the hardest conference to make the playoffs in in NBA history.
0: Uh, I don't know. I think I think there there it, it's there are a couple teams that I think are in the playoffs this year that I think are very likely to take substantial steps back next year.
1: Dallas, um, I think
0: Dallas, Portland. You know, Portland has a ton of guys up for free agency. Um, you know, even if they resign West Matthews, like, you know, when's he going to be back? How how good is he going to be next year? And you know, it's not like they have a lot of depth behind that. So I you know. I think they're going to look a fair amount different next year, anyway, and probably be a fair amount worse. So those are kind of the two teams you look and think are going to are going to take a step back. Um, you know, what is obviously Oklahoma City is going to be less injured next year, so that's 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 one team that's that's better, and New Orleans will be maybe a a, a year better, but still, I think that you know there are, there are teams that will be sliding down to account for Utah maybe maybe you know coming up.
1: Yeah, and from what I recall, you were not the biggest supporter. It's in the same boat as me with the Brandon Knight trade. And I I think the Suns are going to be in a challenging spot next year. They obviously have lots of talent, but if let's say that it's a 10 deep before them. That's do I mean
0: do they have a, a I mean, they have a lot of guys. They have a um, lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how many, you know, how many above average, you know, rotation you know, uh, I think Zach Lowe didn't coin this, but he I think popularized it last year. Was kind of the just a guy, and it feels to me like a lot of the Suns guys are just a guy. You know, yeah. it, you know some of them are 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 you know good to decent players, but aside from maybe Bledsoe, who's the real like?
1: Yeah, Markeef Markeef is good, but Markeef isn't the like great player on a great team type of guy. He's more yeah. of a good player on a great team.
0: Yeah. And you know they've you know they've got some de- you know PJ Tucker is a really good defensive player, but you know if if PJ Tucker is your fourth best player, that means yeah. PJ Tucker is your fourth best player. You know what I mean? I
1: guess the hope maybe, is Len.
0: Yeah, may, yeah, maybe maybe Len becomes something, but then you know it's, oh.
1: it's and it's so great for them that they have that Lakers pick coming in twenty sixteen because they they're really going to need that. Oh, wait. Oh, I feel yeah. bad. I, I, give the, I give Suns fans crap for that all the time. Well, all the time since it happened. But it I, that move is the move that I loved everything else largely that they've done because assuming they couldn't get Kevin Love, which I don't think they could have, that they did. And then the Brandon Knight move just to me was a double whammy because they got a guy who didn't make a ton of sense for them and they gave up what could have been that game-changing asset.
0: Yeah, no, I they, you know, I think they, they, everything that could have, all the negatives that could have happened from, you know, out, outperforming expectations last year. And all of a sudden the expectations were jacked up this year. And, and then this year became just, you know, jacked up start to finish, um, you know, from, you know, basically from, you know, PJ Tucker's DUI on, like, this has been very much a, uh, just a kind of a, train wreck of a season for them really I mean the I think the the blood so contract thing didn't help and then that probably you know in some ways bled into the the uh, Goran Dragic's unhappiness and and you know the I the Isaiah Thomas move in a vacuum made sense and you know still probably does but you still probably do that just from an asset standpoint but it, it's like all these things like Collided with each other and made, just made it a substantially lessened team, I guess. And it's it's so almost they that like you know last year was two steps forward, this year was one step
1: back. Yeah. Question to end it on. I, I thought about this a couple days ago, but do you think? And there's so many things not that we don't know. Do you think that this is Golden State's best chance at winning a title the next couple of years?
0: You know that I if my my thought is if you're not going to spend the money to keep this team together with the new. A TV deal about to come into place. You shouldn't be owning a team. Agreed, wholeheartedly. So, so, um, if if something were to occur that, like, say, Draymond was not back next year, I think that's that's. I don't want to say criminal because we're talking about basketball here, but that's you know, that's a that would be a big deal. Um, I you know I think that that you know the core they have. I mean, the the one kind of squeaky wheel that they need to worry about is Bogut. And you know, kind of finding someone who can. I, I think that you know his his defense is is um, it's not easily replaceable, especially by uh, especially when he all, also taking into account kind of his. Uh, his his, his, contrib- his offensive contributions, which are just more like his screening and passing, but still. But aside from that, like, is there any reason why, like, this core largely can't stay together for another couple years? Yeah,
1: I mean, to me, it seems like they'll have this group until 2017. The big question is... Will the older guys moving down be offset by the younger guys moving up? Because they're not really going to have much in terms of additional assets. You know, they're not going to get much better talent on this team. But the question is, will they improve? And then the other huge question with that is, I think that the Spurs, I don't think it's a very controversial thing to say that the Spurs are likely to be worse next year than they were this year assuming healthy obviously they could have a better record but i feel like as their players are aging it lowers their ceiling and Cleveland might be better and the Rockets will probably be better but i think that i think that this 3 year window is very important, but we've seen with teams like the Thunder. I mean, I thought the Thunder had a window, too, and they still do, technically. Yeah, but I, I think the,
0: the the natural parallel is that, like, they're not necessarily the same player. I think Harden is a—I think, you know, I'm going to blaspheme a little here and say that, that I think that, that Draymond is, has actually gotten mildly overrated, if only because I think that, you know, him getting all NBA, like, second, third team mentions is, I think, is, is a bridge too far but but the, it's still it's a it's a very similar decision point than than the than the, the, the hardened trade and yeah. you know uh, you know at the time and in retrospect like that was kind of it wasn't a, it wasn't it didn't shut the window but it uh, it, uh, it lowered it you know yeah,
1: it narrowed it for sure yeah
0: and and so and and I uh, you know with no inside information I don't think that gold all well, the states going to do this do something similar? Are they? No,
1: they aren't. I mean, you know, th- there was there was a time that I was worried about it. I actually before the season said some things about that. But what happened is Draymond played so well that it made it made that position untenable. So he made he forced them to make that an impossible to make that an impossible to say no is probably the way yeah. It.
0: And and you know I think that for even if he was to go out and get like a max contract offer elsewhere he would be so much better served by saying Golden Absolutely. State.
1: And, and the like, other component of that, the way that the Warriors would be worse is probably not by losing Draymond. It would be if they had to give up something to... Get, if they chose to give up something to get under the tax, and if it's David Lee, that's not the worst thing in the world. They already have Maurice Bates and Festus Ezeli. Yeah. But if let's say they they're required to give up assets they don't have, and so they go, well, the only thing we can really give up is Andre Iguodala. Then or, you start to change the conversation.
0: Well, and also you know you give up uh, you know a future first rounder or something like that, and then you're and, and you know that there's that every year there's you know they're they're a team that at the standpoint where they should be like those those future picks. Those are the bullets they have to fire to, you know, fill a hole at the at the deadline. And that's, you know, that's what they should be looking to do every year. But if they have to if they have to, you know, do a very Doc Rivers thing and package those picks to move a contract, then then all of a sudden that just that that hamstrings them a little bit just in that they can't you know what, we 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 could use a backup point guard this year. Let's go get, you know, Jameer Nelson. Or something like that, um, or, or the, the equivalent of, of you know, the, 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 the savvy veteran who can actually give you something next year, not not having the, the kind of the assets in place to go get that might be a, but that's the, you know that's, that's that's you know that's minor detail stuff. So when the big picture is, is there you know, this is a great team that's, that's I mean, barring, you know, injuries should continue to be one.
1: Yeah. And they, I think they still have the room to improve and really understand the system. Something we see a lot in, in basketball in particular is that when you have a big kind of a, 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 more of a philosophy change than anything else with the way that they're seeing their offense and that right. they're getting for better shots, that having a, a full off season, knowing what you've been doing right. can be where you make that development. I think that their offense could be substantially better next year than it was this year. Yeah. Uh...
0: Okay, <laughs> I mean, you know, substantially I,
1: better than second best in the league.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. I mean, the, the you know the you know the the um the good Bayesian response is no, <laughs> probably not, just because it's already second best. So yeah. there's 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 much more room in one direction than the other. But you know, I, I I kind of you know going with what you're saying. You know, maybe you know Harrison Barnes makes incremental improvements next next year. Maybe Justin Holliday, a year under his system, he just gets all of. Uh, of Barbosa's minutes next year and is just, you know, is kind of that becomes that, that sort of that bench three and D guy that's reliable. And that's just, you know, that's an incremental improvement that can, so there still is, are those incremental improvements that can happen? I mean, you know, Draymond, um, dirty kind of, not, not that I'm picking on him, but a dirty little secret is he's still not really that good a shooter. And maybe he improves to, you know, he's he's slightly below league average three point shooter this year, despite, you know, getting wide open shots. And maybe he becomes, you know, a league, just a league average three point shooter or he just gets a little bit better on those open on those wide open shots. And all of a sudden that's, you know, that's an extra point or a game or so. And those, those are all like just little improvements that you're right could happen.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great point, and also now the family of Thomas Bayes gets to be excited that he got mentioned in a podcast, basketball podcast, in twenty fifteen. Oh
0: well, you know that's. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's
1: a it's a right point. I was just thinking, well, hey, as as a, somebody with an econ degree, I'm like, oh man, that's that's a really good point. Add but Bayesian, yeah, it's it's fun.
0: No, if well, you know, over over at the Nylon
1: Calculus, uh, cheap plug,
0: uh, you know, Bayesian reasoning is 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 not king, but it's oh uh... yeah
1: of course yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's not like it's not like you're breaking your ground it's just the, the nerd in me is like, oh yeah, Yay.
0: <laughs> well, thank well, you, no, but, that, yeah well well that's ahead. you know just in general my you know my sort of conservatism is is like you know anytime you is you're, you're pre- like predicting like something historic, I'm like mm, probably not,
1: <laughs> yeah well and that's like when people uh, this is something i and I think this is a good note to to end on is that there have been moments, but you see it with draft guys, and you see it at other moments where people are comparing an unknown, let's say, a draft prospect to a player, and they're not acknowledging that that player reached the maximum of their potential. Like right. They're talking about, you know, oh, this guy could just this one's lower something could be the next Quiet Leonard.
0: No, here's so here's the 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 example of this right now that is, is I think is could come up is Tyus Jones and Mike Conley. It's like yeah. well, it's like. Well, okay. First of all, do you remember how not good Mike Conley was? Do we have to call up Matt Moore's Twitter rants <laughs> about about uh, when Mike Conley signed his first contract extension? And it was a you know a justified and though it now looks silly because Mike Conley's awesome. But like, all right, yes, he could be Mike Conley, but he could be he could he's most likely going to be that Mike Conley, not the perennial all star snub Mike Conley.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, there are some comparisons to Tyler Ennis and things like that. And, you know, that that that's the kind of situation that can happen. And the other way with that is when and something we just talked about with Draymond Green is when you move a guy from close to a perfect circumstance into an imperfect circumstance or reversing that, then that really changes the way you think about them as well.
0: Right. Since we've, we've talked about this, and let's, can we can we close on one completely non-playoff thing? Yes. Uh, I want to take your temperature on this. Okay. You're the GM of a team that wins the NBA lottery. Okay. Decision maker DuJour from Sacramento calls you up and says, Hey, I see you got the number one pick. We have DeMarcus Cousins. Want to make a deal?
1: Yeah. I, I My instinct is I would think about it and say no. But again, it would depend on the cap or something like that because this is the year... Like, if it was a team that had cap space that they thought they could use, it would it would be a more firm no. But I love DeMarcus Cousins. I, I love DeMarcus Cousins, but I think Carl Towns could be the guy, too. And you get him for four years at a cheap value, and then you get him for longer. But I would definitely listen.
0: See, I, I think that, that that's, like, if I, I, I'd find a shorter word than Yes. I mean, okay, that's not true, because obviously you do, someone pointed this out, you do some due diligence and make sure that, you know, there's not like something undisclosed about DeMarcus Cousins that you're you're trying to get sold, you know, a lemon. But, uh, um, you know, okay, Carl Towns could be.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, a great, Cousins, that's a great point. DeMarcus, DeMarcus is.
0: Cousins is, you know, and, you know, as, as sure thing as a sure thing can be. Nothing's a sure thing.
1: Isn't that isn't it the whole mystery box idea? Like the mystery box could be anything. It could be a boat. Yeah, I've it, always wanted not, a boat.
0: It's it's not. I mean, it's not quite that. I mean, but there is, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is, you know, an all star and, uh, you know, a going forward, a top two center in the league. Could Carl uh, Anthony Towns become like the best big man in the league? Yeah, yeah.
1: and also what? what, what yeah, what,
0: he could also become the you know the hundred second best big
1: man in the league. Yeah.
0: He could, and, he, and most likely, he's probably going to be around the fifteenth or twentieth, right?
1: And Just, also, Cousins has defensive potential to become. I, I mean, he's already gotten a lot better, but I feel like he still has another couple jumps to make there. Yeah, and then then you're starting to talk about him in this in a very different conversation.
0: Yeah, well, and and you know, I think that. Uh, yeah, but and that would not to get go too down too deep down the, you know, the the psychoanalyzing boogie wormhole, but you know, I think that competitive team DeMarcus Cousins level of defensive effort looks different than what is this what is going on here? Who's in charge this week? <laughs> DeMarcus Cousins. And I'll just kind of leave it at that.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think that's true. And also what's amazing about DeMarcus and why I'm such a huge fan of him is that as a center He's the type of guy that works in a lot of different systems. You know, he's he's a guy who cuz he does he's such a great offensive player and he's getting better defensively that you can he's one of those guys that you can do a lot of different things with. It's not a circumstance, let's say Clay Thompson or, you know, another another player who's a very good player at a different position who you you wonder like, "Oh, I wonder how they'd fit. I wonder how they do that." I mean, you have a little bit with another oh. ball dominant guy, but other than that, I mean he's he works with a lot of guys.
0: He's not I mean he's not Al Jefferson, where all right, to get yeah. the most out of Al Jefferson, you that okay, Al, that's your office. <laughs> and don't go anywhere else. Um, you know, you know, Cousins is you know, you can move him around and he's very good in the block, but he's also he's mobile, he can pass, he can handle the ball. You probably don't want him shooting a bunch, but still there's like you can, you can, you can, you know, all, all the stuff, let's put it this way. All the stuff people are are talking that they would like to see Kevin Love do more in Cleveland. Like you can have DeMarcus Cousins do that stuff. Get him the ball on the elbow, use him in pick and roll, all that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously you're not going to, you know, turn him into a stretch five because that would be silly. But, you know, the, but the stuff that Kevin Love isn't doing that people want to see him do is, is still stuff that that Cousins could do. Right.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely an interesting way to think about it. I I've also thought about the idea if he could get a little more range on his jumper that you could put him with some different bigs. I mean, obviously, I think the dream with him is to put him with a guy like Serge Ibaka, just a guy. I, but <laughs> sir, you want to put everybody with Serge Ibaka? But yeah, exactly. If you exactly. Play him. Incidentally, the guy who I think Cousins would play really well with is Carl Towns. I, th- I think that you could do some fun stuff with with using them as weak side shop blockers and bouncing around a little bit. And, I, and
0: and towns can step out on the floor a little bit, or yeah. he looks he looks like that. That yeah, no, I, 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 I see what you're saying. Although I'm, you know,
1: if, I'm rooting if for the Kings to get the to get a top pick, particularly the number one pick, for a couple of reasons. <laughs> but that is one of them because also that would I believe would slide Miami's pick down.
0: No, it would, no, it wouldn't,
1: no. Would slide Miami's pick down? It Would slide the Lakers' pick down? And so then, if Sacramento and somebody jump the Lakers, then the pick goes to Philly.
0: Yeah, but no. I'm just I'm I'm imagining like the the Kings with the first overall pick, and then it's the draft room, and everyone says Towns in unison, and then Vivek says Kaminsky, and then there there we go again.
1: Yeah, so. and then, and then they take Gioloco for, and that would be strangely intriguing, but <laughs> oh. You just put one of them on one side of the block and put one on the other side, and it's kind of like my. I had this crazy idea years ago that the team should play two quarterbacks and just snap, put them on opposite opposite ends of the like behind the guards and just snap it to one <laughs> of the two of them and just get to confuse the crap out of the other team. It'd be like that,
0: but worse. Uh, but worse. It's like the Sam Seaborn. You should play a a sumo wrestler as a goalie in hockey. Uh, theory.
1: I actually but... do kind of agree with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you could skate.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
0: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks again to Seth Partnow for taking the time to come on to preview the playoffs. You can read him at The Nylon Calculus, Fancy Stats, Washington Post, Harwood Proxies and Basketball Network, at B Ball Breakdown, and you can listen to his Make or Miss podcast. You can also follow him. He's a great follow on Twitter at S E T H P A R T N O W. I will have a second podcast coming out in the near future with Arturo Goletti. They were both recorded on Thursday and they will both come out on Friday. And then also, if you are not listening to the Dunked On podcast that Nate Duncan started and I've been helping him start that, you should really listen to it. It's an excellent idea. It's really well executed early on. I'm happy to be a part of it and I think it will only grow in the future. If you want to reach out to me or to this podcast, you can send me an email at daniel.larue at realgm.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Danny Leroux, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X. And also, I'd like to get the hashtag RealGMRadio, all one word, going. If you want to have questions, if I get them early enough, I can ask the guests. I don't really publish the guests ahead of time. Or it can be something that I do in the in the after section, because I, I really do like that. It's been something I was pleased to do with, with Nate's podcast, and it's been a lot of fun. So thank you so much for listening. Take care, and make it a great day.
0: napa guy knows the only way you'd give a freshly minted driver a brand new car is if he promises to never drive it instead let him grind the gears and knock over the neighbor's mailbox in something a little more suited to his skill level and with over 400,000 parts and a little napa know-how he can safely drive something that's nearly as old as he is
1: it's not perfect but it's perfect for him that's napa know-how